Welcome to Customer Service Academy Radio with author and customer experience expert, Tony Johnson. Tony will share his vision for successful customer service, leadership, and business excellence, and speak to some of the most impactful leaders in business today. And now, here's Tony Johnson. Welcome, everybody. Customer Service Academy is back on the air. I'm Tony Johnson, your customer experience leader, and today's episode is brought to you courtesy of Ignite Your Service Training and Consulting. And folks, you may have heard it last week, but I am talking it loud and proud. I'm still offering a free 45-minute phone coaching session to talk about service and sales growth, helping your company thrive in post-coronavirus America. Every one of the 50 states is wide open, and that is exciting, but you can't do it alone. I am here to help, so please make sure that you dial that up at igniteyourservice.com slash growth. Sign right up on there for your time. Promise you it will bring insane amounts of value, and we can talk about working together past that. But all that said, I have a fantastic guest in the studio today. I've got Angie Panuti, who is a certified physician's assistant. She is a huge part of the great service comeback out there because, ladies and gentlemen, the, the healthcare industry stood and delivered like never before during this crisis. And first of all, uh, Angie, thank you for all you did, and welcome to the studio. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So can you give us a little bit of background on, on what you're doing? I'm gonna, I'll give my spiel on what I think because I will tell you, um, the physician's assistants and certified nurse practitioner, I stumbled onto that as a medical provider, gosh, maybe, maybe a decade ago. And I'm not sure I've ever been happier with my experience in the healthcare industry just because, I don't know, I'm not sure what it is, but it seems like uh, PAs and, and uh, nurse practitioners are, are more on time. They always give me more of their time to talk about my healthcare strategy and plan and for whatever reason, I don't know, they, it, for me, it's always been a better experience than your quote unquote going to see your family doctor. So from a primary care standpoint, I've been leaning on people in your lane for a very long time now uh, and had great success and, and great experiences. But tell us a little bit about what you're doing. So um, I, uh, that's kind of how PAs uh, were born, if you will. Um, we were born out of the need of uh, trying to address the healthcare shortage. Um, nurse practitioners, similarly, um, trying to address the healthcare shortage, specifically in family care. So um, I like to think of physician assistants as uh, the Swiss Army knife um, of the medical field because we're we're not just um, you know we're not just one specific tool. We are able to be used in all aspects. Um, and that's one of the things that also drew me to being a physician assistant was the fact that um, I, I didn't have to commit myself to doing the exact same specialty or the exact same um, uh, area of practice for my entire career. So um, I initially became a PA uh, seven years ago, a little over seven years ago. I spent a couple of years in emergency medicine, level two trauma center, um, great experience right out of, uh, right out of uh, college. Uh, that was more of a sink or swim uh, sort of sort of uh, beginning to to a career. So uh, loved it. Stayed there for a few years. So two years uh, did internal medicine for five years, and currently um, have been in a uh, urology surgical service uh, for the past year. So um, one of the very nice things is that you get to kind of experience different specialties, which to me just allows you to become more knowledgeable. Um, and a better well-rounded medical provider. Uh, your comments kind of echo comments that we hear patients say all the time. Um, and again, shows kind of our, our place in the medical service. Um, I work for a group of surgeons and, you know, they, they are very, um, 
they're in the operating room, they're doing their surgeries, and sometimes they don't, they are not able to spend the 30 minutes, 45 minutes with patients and or families answering what to them is, is very, uh, you know, the repetitive questions that they get um, for the same surgery. So I'm, I'm able to spend more time um, meeting one-on-one -on -one with the families, with the patients, explaining uh, as in-depth as they, as they need to understand, one, what the problem is, how we're going to surgically fix it, what the expected outcome is, um, risk and benefit, of course, with any surgery, um, and kind of what, what to expect along the way, and then also give them that um, avenue to be able to be part of the care team and be able to he have their voices heard and their questions answered, um, which is extremely important, um, especially in medicine today. Yeah, and you know, there, there's so much going on there as, as, you know, people have the ultimate choice more, more than ever. People can research where they're going to go and the information is much more publicly available. You've got reimbursement standards. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. And, you know, I, I spent some time uh, with the Disney Institute working on some, some training and stuff I was doing for the healthcare field. And I'm looking forward to picking your brain on some of these pieces because, you know, I feel like, you know, putting patients or, or customers or consumers you know, whatever we're calling them in the healthcare space this week uh, is so important to have them at ease because that reduction of anxiety, I think, helps with healing. And, and I think you also get that whole idea of, of compliance with doctor's orders, or in, in this case, is PA's orders, just to make sure they're following through with their plan of care. So I, I got to think that's exceptionally important. It, it, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, talking with, with uh, other colleagues, um, letting them know that I was doing this interview and they, they said, well, customer service. And it took them just a second. They said, oh yeah, that's a perfect fit. And, and that, that's kind of true. It maybe wasn't as true five or six years ago, especially 10, 20 years ago. Right. It was, you know, your, your surgeon, it was uh, an old, an old saying, you know, you didn't really care what kind of bedside manner they had. You just cared that they were able to be adequate surgeons. Um, yeah, they saved your life. So what else do you want from me? Right, right, right. And so, especially the last five years with how, um, you know, medicine is now reimbursed from both um, uh, Medicare and Medicaid, and then also with, you know, private uh, insurances kind of follow, follow suit, but usually a, a year or so after um, it's adopted by the federal government. Um, the way that, that we're reimbursed um, is kind of, the model has changed. It's not just a fee for service. You provide X service, you're provided X amount of reimbursement. Um, there's a, you know, each year it becomes more and more reliant on an additional portion, and that's literally a survey that um, patients are given, especially in the primary care settings, but also now in specialty settings, um, not just private companies, but also Medicare, uh, these uh, Advantage plans will send um, surveys to their, to their uh, insurers and say, hey, how do you rate your family provider on timeliness? Um, have they addressed these specific um, issues with you over the last year? Uh, and based on those responses, the, that actually physically affects the amount of money that is received um, from, from that, uh, to that provider, from that insurance company. Um, and there's been a double-edged sword to that. So there, of course, you know, I, I think, I personally think that uh, patients need to have an understanding they need to have a trust with their provider to understand why do we want you to take this medicine? What does this medicine do? Why is it important for you to take this medicine? Why is it important for you to have these certain preventative, um, preventative measures? 
And if you don't take the time to develop that relationship and to um, have that explanation and that education uh, to where also they feel safe and comfortable because ultimately you're providing a very intimate service with them. You are taking care of their health. Um, and, and if there is not that relationship, if they do not have that understanding, they're not going to be compliant with their medication. They're going to have adverse outcomes um, or in the surgical setting, if they don't comply with, you know, post-op instructions, then you can have the outcome that you, do, that you don't want to happen uh, can, can be there. So that's the positive side of it. There's definitely a negative side. The negative side being when I worked in the emergency room, if those patients were giving a survey, and again, that survey did not ask, A, did you not die, right? Which in right. the emergency room, um, you know, going, emergency rooms are supposed to be your, your last stop between death and life. And so if you went for something that necessarily was not an emergency and you had a provider that came in that maybe did not want um, or have the ability at that time to hold your hand for, for something that probably never needed to be in the emergency room because they have a patient that is, they just came off of a code where a patient, a patient died um, or they had other very, very sick patients that they're caring for. Sometimes those uh, customer service um, surveys were not as appropriate. Um, you also got some negativity when you had, and it was not, it was more the exception than the rule. You would have patients that would come in and they would demand certain, certain either medications, um, uh, drugs being, being a big one, narcotic uh, medications for pain uh, that you just could not support. And of course, you're going to get those, uh, those surveys that are, that are absolutely, you know, in the gutter. Um, so right. I, I think there's a place for it everywhere. Um, uh, but it's, it's definitely not a one size fit all. So I think you, and that's, that's great feedback, right? Especially when you get patients that are using the emergency room as almost a primary care, as opposed to having a true primary care physician. Right. You, you touched on some of this though, when it comes to providing, you know, that great patient or, or customer, whatever, whatever you want to call those, you're taking care of consumers, you know, in, in, in a healthcare environment, you, you mentioned a few things already, anything else you want to put in there that, you know, that you have in your toolbox and your bag of tricks, uh, to provide uh, outcomes are one thing, and I get that. But in terms of the service you're providing, any any other any, any other tips or tricks around introductions or acknowledgement or explanation that you find to be very important? If you were going to add one or two more things to that, I, I would think any more um, more the relationship that you can build with that patient. Um, sometimes in a very short amount of time, um, you have to be open to making sure that that patient is is heard and they they can. Um, they know that they're heard and that they know that they can ask questions. Um, sometimes they may be embarrassed. Uh, working in urology is a very intimate part of the body. And if you don't develop um, that relationship very quickly, um, because again, if, if you know, you, there is the demand for the number of patients that you need to see in order to service everyone that needs that service, but you also have to very quickly be able to build trust, um, be able to make them feel comfortable to not only are you examining a portion of their body that they don't let, you know, most people don't let strangers Just see. anybody get to, right? Correct. And, and, and um, so you have to build, you have to have that trust um, and they, they have to feel um, understood and heard um, so that their comfort, especially in, in a urology service matters. Um, so, and again, also that teaching, because it doesn't matter what you even say or do within that visit. If, 
they don't take anything away from it and that doesn't change any behaviors moving forward. Um, right. if, if you don't have an explanation of why you're checking for prostate cancer or why you're telling them that these, you know, this is the amount of liquids you need to, to drink so that you don't have another stone that makes you, kidney stone that makes you sick. If, if they don't have that basic understanding, then they're not going to buy in. They're not going to change any behaviors. And ultimately, it's going to have negative um, outcomes later down the road, um, which, in, which in medicine, it, it, it is all about long, longevity and, and outcomes and positive outcomes, obviously, are, are what we we're wanting. Um, so teaching, there's a big component anymore of, of teaching, um, you know, what at times may feel like basic concepts. But to someone not in medicine, it is it is absolutely a foreign concept um, to think about what they're you know what they're eating, what they're drinking, and how that affects um, you know the urinary system or um, why they need to see their family doctor and do these preventative services so that they don't end up in the emergency room with an acute event that could have been prevented had they um, established a primary care provider and followed routinely with them. You know, and I think that that explanation piece, that relationship piece, the communication, that that holds true in in any customer service enterprise, not just healthcare. So I, I loved hearing you say that, and I, and I think that's ex exceptionally positive. And you know, I think questions that seem simple to to a physician or a medical professional are are you know could again be be out of bounds for for someone who's who's a layman. Just like if you walked into a home improvement store. You know, and 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 you don't know, you know, how to, what kind of wood you need to build a fence, right? You, you need someone to explain that to you in a way that doesn't make you feel silly and doesn't make you just leave. And and I think the third piece is you're in such a, a turbocharged environment. Um, sometimes people just aren't feeling clear, right? You know, if you give them bad news or if they're scared or they're worried, I know when I'm scared, worried, or out of sorts, I don't necessarily pay attention or understand as well as I might during a normal day. So I, I think those are all great points. Right, and, and, and keeping that in mind, um, you know, we have to deliver news uh, with certain cancers quite often, and, and you just, you know that the moment you mention, yes, you know, this biopsy shows that you have cancer, from that moment on, they're not going to really hear or absorb much of anything right. that you say. So also keeping that in mind, um, you know, after, after that appointment, we set up another appointment a week later. And then they've had a week to kind of absorb and um, uh, come to grips with, yes, you know, we have a cancer diagnosis. And then that week later, they're, they're, they're receptive and can, okay, so what are we going to do and, and understand, you know, the treatment going forward. So keeping, keeping things like that in, in mind um, uh, also helps uh, deliver that customer service um, or in, in, you know, patient satisfaction. And again, ultimately, more important to most healthcare providers is providing just great care so that um, your patients stay healthy or you're able to resolve whatever medical issue that they're, they're going through. Now, you know, the healthcare field is such a turbocharged environment, and, and especially I bet when you were in, in emergency medicine, how do you refresh and recharge working such a demanding job? You know, kind of swaying to, you know, after you, or it may be in the middle of the day when you're having a bad day or maybe after the day when you go home. But I think, you know, any professional who works in a, in a, in a pressure cooker type environment could learn something. How do you recharge? So uh, part of it is um, I think a lot of the personalities that are drawn to medicine, um, you have to find humor in, you detach a little bit. Uh, so when you're in the emergency room, 
um, there's always that slight level of detachment and that's more of just how you um, how you survive um, because you can't um, see you know shift after shift patients patients um, dying and keeping that with you and you you always will you still keep it with you but still being able to try to try to separate yourself so that that's not weighing you down when you're trying to save the next patient or trying to see the next patient um, and so that's kind of the the peeking behind the curtain that you don't most people don't like to to see um, but you have to find I find personally the way that I recharge is um, apparently I find new skills to try to master so home improvement um, last uh, last year we finally finished building um, uh, building a house and literally did a lot of the hands-on on work which while you're going through it you keep thinking man why did I do this but then looking back that was my distraction um, learning how to lay hardwood sure. floor, learning how to lay tile um, I heard and, you become quite the electrician by the that's way right so. ran, ran the ran my own elect, electricity um, or electric lines through through the house and nothing has burnt down and we passed inspection fantastic uh, with, a, with a few minor things that had to be fixed so so finding ways to um, make yourself a more rounded individual family. You know, I have a two-year-old son and he is um, very demanding for time when you get home. And so family, uh, friends, before I had my child, I had a beloved dog that I, you know, that was my child for, for 16 years. And um, so you have to find other healthy ways um, right. to, to be able to detach and cope because there's absolutely unhealthy ways that you can, um, you can, uh, kind of get that detachment which as a medical professional we wouldn't encourage so you kind of have to be very mindful to develop something outside of your work so home improvement family friends um, jogging you know uh, things like that so I I try to keep um, busy outside of work that's great and you know you hit on this a little bit earlier talking about that reduction of anxiety but if you were going to give one more tip to you know a new medical professional coming in, whether it was a nurse, whether it was a, a doctor, whether it was even some of the secondary services and some hospitals that transport patients, those kind of things. How do they keep, you know, the, the patients, you know, either anxiety or frustration level at a minimum so that they can focus on healing? Any other tips you'd like to share? So one of the tips that I received um, as a green um, uh, new PA in emergency medicine at a, a very high volume center uh, one of the provider uh, doctors um, said, look, look um, patients, you may mess up and patients won't necessarily care as much about if you messed up, if they think that you care and you genuinely have to care. So it is a lot easier for someone to say, oh, yeah, I know, you know, yeah, you, you may have um, uh, delayed me getting that CAT scan by 30 minutes or, oh, I know you forgot to look at that value for the last hour and I ended up sitting here, but having that honest, caring, um, you know, patients are very forgiving if they know that you genu genuinely care about them. And it, and it cannot be an act. You have to genuinely care about your patients um, and you should genuinely care about your patients or you need to not be in medicine anymore. That's time to kind of leave if, if you don't really care about, about, the people that you are um, taking care of, that's a time that you need to move to a different, um, a different field. So caring uh, about the individual, about the patient, again, builds that trust, 
and they they know that they are not just a number to you that they are someone that you want genuinely to see them do better health wise and hopefully just in life in general um so you know just that loving caring nurturing desire for for others how do you demonstrate that you know it's one thing to say you know to to, to say that you you care and, and you share. how do you demonstrate to a patient that you show they care. You know, for me, it was always remember, like when my dad was in the hospital, when they remembered his name or my name, right? Correct. And, me, and that so, showed that yeah. I was more, even if they just glanced at it on a paper as they walked in, to me, it felt like they took a minute uh, to at least know my name, right? Because it's the only thing we truly own in life, right, is our name. So any other tips, any, anything, any, any so behaviors? I think about 20, you know, 20, 30 years ago, medicine looked differently. You know, the doctor came in and if they had medical students with them, it was presented as, you know, 59-year-old male patient with COPD exacerbation, coronary artery disease. You're not looking at the patient. You're not acknowledging the patient. You're not acknowledging the patient's the name, right? Correct. And it's very, it's very um, separate. It's not, it's not, you don't feel cared. You don't feel like they even know who you are which um, I, you don't see that as much anymore in medicine. Now you see, um, you know, you see a, a surgeon come in or a, an emergency room doctor, a physician assistant, nurse practitioner, you see them come in and they say, oh, oh hi, hi, Tom, how are you doing? Um, you know, I, well, I see that this must be your son that we've talked about. And it's genuine. You, you know that person because you have had the little conversations with them. Um, and again, if you are some, uh, you know, the, are surgeons that see, you know, 200 people in a couple of weeks versus my job, I'm, I'm able to take more time and be able to develop that relationship, um, that family, you know, answering those questions. It is not hard to feel or see that someone genuinely cares about you, that they take that extra five minutes and they explain exactly why or what's going on. That caring, it's, it's very easy um, to see that. And, and we see that throughout other aspects of our life. Just like when you're going through school, you can, everybody can think of those teachers that you remember, that knew your name, that knew, you know, they knew when your dog died and they comforted you when your dog died versus the teachers that you barely remember because they did not have that lasting impact. So if we were to fill out, you know, customer service satisfaction surveys on our teachers, when we were going in school, we, we could always pick out those that we knew cared about us and that we gained the most knowledge from versus those that were kind of more separate. And the same is true in medicine. Um, you genuinely have to have to care so that um, uh, you can build that relationship. You cannot fake it. And I love that. And folks, this is why we have people who are really doing it out there in the world. You know, I, I could have easily brought on a CEO of a hospital group. I could have brought on a customer experience officer from a large healthcare establishment. But I wanted to talk to Angie because Angie's gets it done every single day on the front line. And that is the, the whole idea behind this program is talking about how you can really do it in real time. There's no theory. There's no nonsense. We're cutting right through the clutter. And that's the kind of stuff you can't get anywhere else. Also, if you're looking for a little more deep dive into some of these principles, you can check out my book, Together We Serve. You can get that on Audible. You can get that on Amazon.com. You can get a print version if you're, you're still stuck in the 1820s and you want a paperback. You can have that mailed right to you. But again, Together We Serve by Tony Johnson on Amazon brings a lot of these principles that we're talking about here. And I talk a lot about healthcare in that book as well. Uh, last question in our big question set. What do you see, Angie, as one of the biggest challenges in the healthcare space today? What, what, are, what are some of the challenges? And then we'll hit our last five minute lightning round. 
So um, one big challenge um, that I kind of see is your non-medical people, um, whether that's um, policymakers, hospital administrators, um, or family, shoestring family that maybe doesn't even have the patient's best interest in heart, making, um, making these major medical decisions, both, both in policy, both in um, how things are, you know, boots on the ground, um, sort of day-to-day um, uh, running of businesses and, and healthcare services. Uh, so I, I see that sometimes is, is always a frustration, and I think that would be true pretty much in, in every, um, every field, whether it's medicine, teaching, you know, other, other business sectors, people that aren't or didn't walk the walk or walk the line knowing and making the decisions um, when they're so far removed from, from that front. Okay. Yeah, and I, and I think to make great decisions, you really do have to be in the thick of it. You know, you have to be at least familiar and engaged. So I love that. All right. Well, hey, you know, it's been great so far. So let's, let's jump into the lightning round, some more light-handed, off-handed questions. But um, so we're just coming off of, of quarantine as we're, as we're recording this. It's uh, the first part of June, and America is looking forward to summer, and there's a little more uh, hope in the air as we start to undistance ourselves, not physically, but at least getting out of the house a little bit. What did you miss most during quarantine? And I know you had to go through not just being isolated, but I think you actually had to really go through almost a self-quarantine for a couple weeks too. But during that really, really weird time when we were all, you know, we didn't know what day it was, right? It was like that time between Christmas and New Year's, Groundhog Day for like three months. (laughs) What uh, what did you miss most? So I did. I had to self-isolate for about a week. Um, uh, That was back at the very beginning of, um, you know, the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, we had uh, some direct um, employees that I work with were positive, and so the vast majority of us had to isolate until we got our test back, and that was during the beginning when testing was so slow, and you get your test done one day, it gets shipped out the next day, and the results take five days to get back. So um, during that time, I never had any symptoms, but of course had to stay away from uh, my immediate family. I do have a two-year-old and, and my husband. So um, I definitely, during all of this, um, I missed family. And also, I felt that echoed through patients that were in the hospital, because it was very hard um, to go in and, and uh, rounding on patients in the hospital who who we were not able, they were not able to have anyone there with them. And so that was, that was what I missed the most, not just for myself, but for everyone else, that closeness. Um, and then during that five or six days when I physically could not see, touch, hug, um, you know, my little guy, that was, um, that, that was very hard. And I think that's something that a lot of people have, have struggled with. So just the physical, the physical contact of family um, and, uh, you know, and then the extended family that, that um, we've not been able to see. Okay. What company do you think gives the best service out there in the world right now? So as, as, uh, so this is a double-edged sword for me, but I honestly have to say Amazon and I kind of cringe and I only cringe because I absolutely know the just gross profits that, um, the CEO kind of makes, which you know, he's got a kind of a great product. I love it. It's, it's just super easy. It's convenient. If I order something and I decide, man, my fat finger hit something I didn't want, I can send it back with and get a refund without any hassle. It doesn't matter why I didn't like it. Um, I have never had them not accept something back. So, um, I would have to say Amazon. 
I agree. They, they make it super easy. And, you know, I think every industry can learn what an online platform can do and how an online platform can learn and adapt to you. And, yeah. and I don't think there's a single, uh, a single business model out there that couldn't learn something from Amazon, whether it was how to make it easy, whether it was keeping the customer in mind, whether it was technology and how to enable self-service. Yeah, I think there's even, a lot to learn I there. love love when they hey based on your buying history here are some products for you sure right i i mean people complain that they don't like that i love it i love that they <laughs> suggest because i end up buying some of it so in in their mind i actually spend more money because i didn't realize that my little guy needed this toy that i didn't know existed but i'm absolutely you know so i i really like that what's your favorite food so i i do not discriminate against hardly any foods um my uh, my favorite probably would be just a good old fashioned cream horn. And not uh, how healthy so as a healthcare provider, I cannot endorse it. But yeah, I know, right? You just went on a watch list, so congratulations yeah. <laughs> there. What about your favorite vacation spot? Uh, San Diego Zoo. Um, oh, very uh, nice. So, so San Diego, and then uh, my favorite was the zoo. They have now. We talk about customer service. Um, interview somebody with the San Diego Zoo. Uh, the way that they can get you to painlessly walk six miles to see everything, the way that they have that laid out, it, you don't even know that you're walking six miles. You just know that you're happy the whole time, and by the end of it, you're exhausted, and you look down at your Fitbit and realize you have, you know, 12,000 steps. And then finally, what's the most interesting job you've had in your long and storied career so far? And I don't think you're done yet, but uh, you, you, you've had some pretty interesting jobs over the years. What's been the most interesting one? The uh, most interesting one by far is when I worked for the U.S. Forest Service as a, a, college, a college kid. Um, I, you know, they, they sent me many places each summer. I went to Houston, Texas. I went to Virginia. I uh, got to go to Seattle um, up to, and Washington. It was just so the Forest Service, a great, a great um, uh, government agency that, that probably doesn't usually get the props that it deserves for all that they do. Most people have no idea what they even do, um, but it, it's uh, by far the most interesting, and I loved working for them. You know, and for those of you who want to feel bad about yourselves, um, Angie has uh, not only been a part of the Forestry Service, she has been a teacher and now in the medical uh, field. So she has had three distinct careers already and she's not done yet. Most of us, uh, for me, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up and you've had three cracks at it so far. And, and I will tell you, I used to be friends with, with a sheriff who lives in your neck of the woods. And some of my favorite stories he used to tell me were about things forestry agents found in the, in the Daniel Boone National Forest over the years. So I, I will tell you, they were always some of my favorites. Well, hey, we have reached the end of the road. Our time is is now coming to an end. Uh, Angie, thank you so much for sharing some of your insights into healthcare and service and people and, and, and your backstory. Thanks so much for being here today. No, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. So, folks, we are in the middle of the great service comeback, and, and that is something that is going to continue on. And as we have talked about, those who get there first, those who deliver the very best service right out of the gate, those who put their customers at the center of what they do, are going to find that they win and customers come back, and they will be the ones who take the battlefield. A lot of people are looking at this as a huge setback, and it is, and it has been a tragedy. But I think the coronavirus is going to also bring us to the next level of our economy. It has accelerated things like work from home and customer service and self-service and customer 
customer demands, we've got to be ready to address at the time to lament about what was is over. Let's talk about what's next. Schedule this consultation call with me at igniteyourservice.com slash growth. But until next time, I've been Tony Johnson with Angie Panuti, your customer experience leader, telling you, please keep your customers, your guests, your consumers, your family, your patients at the center of everything you do, because that is where the most amazing things are possible. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. This has been Customer Service Academy Radio with Tony Johnson. Tony is available to speak at your event, meeting, or workshop. Have a powerful customer-focused day.